Let's reopen our Bibles to the 19th Psalm. Psalm 19. For those of you that like little reminders that might help you remember chapters, the two Psalms that deal mostly with the Word of God are 19 and 119. If you go there often, you don't need any little helps like that. But we want to read the 19th Psalm, and we want to focus our attention on verses 7 through the end of the chapter, not the first six verses. We're going to read the whole psalm. The first six verses describe what God has declared, revealed, and shown about himself from the creation. But verses 7 through 14 go far beyond that and remind us of what he has revealed from his revelation, his scriptures that he's given us. Let's stand together and read Psalm 19. In unison, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The heavens declare the glory of God. And so run the first six verses that tell us that the natural creation preaches a sermon in every language, in every tongue, in every dialect, throughout the entire earth, that there is a Creator God. You have to go to a university and be taught by other depraved, 
hallucinating God-haters in order to ever imagine evolution. Evolution is a religion. It is based entirely on the faith of men who reason from nothing. It is not science. They have never duplicated it. They've never done it in a laboratory. They've never observed it. There is no science to evolution. It is a theory that they have turned into a religion in order to get rid of a creator God to whom they would then be liable to obey. A farmer, a shepherd, a goat herder, out looking at the stars and the sun can know that there is a creator. But it takes a university professor to deny that. Because God has said that he will take the wisdom of this world and turn it into foolishness. And he takes the wise in their own craftiness. And so he has mocked them and ridiculed them for them to espouse a theory that is contrary to everything else they teach that can be proven. Right. But we come to the seventh verse. There is something so much better than the creation. I'm thankful to see the sun. The Lord arranged for my house to be situated in such a way that in the mornings the sun is right there for me to see and at night the moon is right there for me to see and I, I thank the Lord for those things and I bless Him from my deck. But there is something so much better and you have it in your lap. Amen. This is not something that we have a right to. This is a blessed privilege to have His Word in our language written from heaven. This is God's Word. And if you want to understand Romans 7, then humble yourself before Psalm 19.7. Because Paul is going no further than Psalm 19. It's such a simple chapter in Romans. And so many get distracted and diverted, thinking it has some other purpose, but it doesn't. He's exalting the law because he is writing to those that loved the law. And he didn't want any of his statements in the first six chapters of Romans to be misconstrued against the law. Paul loved the law. He knew that the law was good, just, holy, and spiritual. And he's going to teach us that in Romans 7. But we want Psalm 19. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. To make it simple for your minds, we can say that the law of God is two commandments. Because in certain places, it is reduced to two commandments only. And you can can take every other commandment and make it a subset under two. The love of God, the love of neighbor. The entire law. Or it can be subdivided into ten commandments, nine of which still apply to us. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, running down to thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's possessions, nor his wife. The law of the Lord is perfect. Every other law in this world is imperfect. Every authority figure, every authority position is imperfect, but the law of the Lord is perfect. 
We don't need to modify that word perfect or explain it in any way. God's word, Old Testament, New Testament, is perfect. It does, it has no error in it. You may rely on it. You may bet your life in this world and your life in the next world on it. That is the word of God. What a blessed privilege to have it. In the days of the old covenant, from creation to Christ, 4,000 years of time, only one nation had God's word. Psalm 147 verses 19 and 20 tell us that only Israel had God's precepts. No one else had it. God kept it from them. God never gave his word to the Philistines. God never gave his word to the Egyptians. God never gave his word to the American Indians. God never gave his word to anyone else but to Israel. It was their privilege, and it made them different and superior to all other nations. And he has given it to his churches. Most people today disregard the Word of God. We live in a nation that claims to be Christian, but it prohibits the Word of God. It hates the Word of God, because the Word of God has already ruled that the policies of our nation are insane and wicked. They don't want it. They reject it. It is contrary to them, so they get rid of it. But they can't get rid of it because God's word is a hammer and a fire and breaks in pieces and burns up all opposition because his law is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect and it converts the soul. It is able to take a soul that thinks one way and convert it to another way of thinking, change it to another way of thinking, transform it to another way of thinking. When we convert electricity from one form to another, or we convert one thing to another form, it is what the Word of God does to our souls. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The Apostle Paul thought that though he might desire some ungodly sexual pleasure in his life, as long as he was just desiring it, he thought he was okay. We're going to learn this today. But as soon as the commandment came to him that is perfect, that told him, thou shalt not covet, it converted him to a different way of thinking. That allowing those thoughts was wickedness in the sight of God equal to the deeds. And so we learn those things. That's the way God thinks and that's the way God measures us. That the thought of a sin, as Proverbs 24, 9 would say, the thought of foolishness is sin. If you're thinking something foolish... It's as good as doing it, and you're guilty of sin. The law of the Lord is perfect, and it converts the soul. When we come into the house of God, and this book is going to be opened and explained to us, we are experiencing a great blessing from heaven. And we should be very thankful for it. Then, if God puts conviction in our hearts to where we see something that we have not been doing, And it begins to affect our thinking. And we realize, I've been thinking wrong in light of what's written here. That is a further blessing. And this is the theme for today. What do you do with those blessings of conviction? Do you squander them or do you exploit them? Because when God convicts you by his word, it is an enormous blessing. And we should be most thankful for it. The testimony of the Lord is sure. 
When God gives testimony, and He has in His Word, these are all different terms, just like in Psalm 119, to describe the Bible. It's sure. Everything else you read is not sure. You can find things in it that are wrong. You can find internal contradictions in any other writings of men, but not in God's Word. It is so sure that Peter would write in 2 Peter chapter 1 that God's Scriptures are more sure than hearing God's voice from heaven with your own ears in the presence of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Because Peter describes in 2 Peter 1, the last six verses, that he was on the Mount of Transfiguration and God thundered from heaven in the presence of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. I mean, they fell flat on their faces to hear God's voice from heaven. When he said, this is my beloved son, quit yapping, Peter, about building a tabernacle to Moses and Elijah. This is my beloved son, hear ye him. Forget the other two guys. Peter said, we heard that voice when we were with Jesus in the Holy Mount. Verse 19, 2 Peter 1, verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. A more sure Word of prophecy than God's voice. If someone gets in a pulpit and tells you, God spoke to me last night, you might as well go home. Just go home and read your Bible. Because you've got something more sure. How do you know that he heard it correctly? How do you know that he translated it correctly? How do you know that he's repeating it correctly? And how do you know that you're understanding his interpretation of it, which is an understanding of whatever... Forget it all. We have something more sure. It's in writing. When we want to make something sure in business transactions, we put it in writing. God put it in writing for us. Amen. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I love Second Peter 1.19 where it says we have also a more sure word of prophecy. And it goes on to tell us the next two verses exactly what that is. It's the scriptures. Thank you, Lord. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. His rules about every subject are right. His rules are perfect rules. His rules are the only rules. His rules are the best rules, and they rejoice the heart when you read them. And you say to yourself, if we had a nation that ruled itself the way the Bible tells a nation to rule itself, what a blessed place it would be. But since you can't control the nation, you can pray for it. But then we read, look at the rules that he has for families. If a family was to govern itself by the rules of the Bible, what a family it would be. And it rejoices our hearts that there's answers for every dilemma. That every question that faces man and every complex event that can originate with a multitude of creatures, all selfish, the Bible has answers for them. And so it rejoices our heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. There is nothing dirty or filthy there. You have read and heard about dirty politics. You've heard about dirty business. You've heard about a dirty lawyer. There is nothing dirty in the Word of God. It is entirely pure, and it enlightens the eyes. It gives us a clear vision of absolute purity, righteousness, goodness, justice, and holiness. Verse 9, continuing to describe God's Word, 
here under the word fear. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. There's nothing dirty there. It doesn't have within it the germs or the principle of decay. It's going to last forever. It's forever settled in heaven. You hold it in your lap. First of all, he created you. Then he gave you his word. Then he sent teachers to teach you, and he's convicted your heart at different times to love this word and to be moved by it. And we want to be moved by it. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. There's not some really good laws and judgments of God and some that are not quite so good. They're altogether true and righteous. That is a three-verse description of God's Word in six different ways of presenting it. Psalm 19. Bless the God of heaven for giving us something so wonderful. David would say, who was a king and who understood wealth, balance sheets, income, power, pleasure, privilege, position. David understood all those things better than any of us and better than all of us put together. But David would say, more to be desired are they than gold. God's word is better and we should desire it more than gold. Yea, more than much fine gold. It's not just a little bit of gold, not a little bit of 22 karat gold, which is 91% pure. It's 24 karat fine gold and a lot of it. God's word is better. Now, when a poor man would say that, we might scoff at it because he doesn't know what gold's like. He's never had any purchasing power. But David had it, and David said God's word is better. And David said, and he would have enjoyed all the confectionaries that Israel was able to put together for him to enjoy sweet things. Solomon describes all the confectionaries and bakers that he had, and David would have had them too as king of Israel. But he said that God's word is sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. It's sweet. Now, if you don't read it, you don't know how valuable and precious it is and sweet. If you read it casually, you don't get the benefit. It's a person who gets into it and reads upon it meditatively until his heart is rejoicing and his soul is converted and the simple is made wise that understands this is one fabulous volume. Moreover, do you know what that means? I'm not done yet in listing its blessings. I'm at verse 11. Moreover, that means I want to pile it a little higher. I've described it as being more valuable than much fine gold. I've described it as being sweeter than honey and the honeycomb, but let me go further. Moreover, by them, that is God's statutes, His judgments, His fear, His testimonies. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. I am protected from getting myself into trouble because the Bible warns me. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. Now, you might think that it's a reward if you got a thousand bucks. You might think it was a reward if you got 10K. But David was king. And David said, in keeping of God's word, there was great reward. He was already king. He had been rewarded to a great extent in his life already. But look at what he says about God's word. There is great reward in keeping it. 
He goes on further. He says in 12, who can understand his errors? Neither you nor I can fully comprehend the things that we do that are wrong because we sin ignorantly. And so the word of God comes and corrects us. Who can understand his own errors is how that question should be understood. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. He tells us what he has in mind. And it's the word of God that tells us our secret faults. See, Paul's going to tell us, I had some secret faults. In fact, that commandment thou shalt not covet wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. I had all sort of sexual fantasy until I understood that God condemns that right along with the crime. Right here, that's what this verse is teaching. Verse 13, keep back thy servant also. There's a second kind of sin. Sometimes we sin ignorantly because we haven't had the word of God correct, convert, and teach us yet. But there's another kind of sin. We know what we should not do, and we do it anyway, and it's called the great transgression because sinning presumptuously is worse than sinning in ignorance. Keep back thy servants also from presumptuous sins, and don't let them have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. And he closes out, Let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. What a psalm. Six verses describing God's creation. The rest of the verses describing his revelation. And what a revelation it is. You have it. Right here. Everything about your life, everything about human society, whether it be civil government, family, marriage, finances, eternal destiny, the origin of our species, pick any subject you want. The answers are right here. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy precious Word. Amen.